0: Father, we admit this morning that we need you. Some of us aren't to that place where we realize it yet. But we know there's something missing. (laughs) We've been trying awful hard. Just can't seem to get it to figure out. God, it's you. The one who created us is the one who fills us. One who created us is the one who completes us. And for those of us who have a relationship with you, we know how much we need you and we realize how desperate we are for you. Thank you for the fact that by your Holy Spirit, through Jesus Christ, you're more than willing to make up for our deficiency. In the next few moments, as we open the Word of God, Lord, I pray that your Spirit would be free to touch our hearts. God, I pray that we would see you better, that we would understand the difference that you want to make in our hearts and our lives. I claim the promise this morning that your Word is alive, it's powerful, that it's sharper than a two edged sword that pierces to our very being and to our very heart. It discerns what is right and wrong. It helps us to be complete in you. So we pray that that would be true as we look into your word today, that you would speak to us as only you can. Thank you for the privilege and the opportunity we have today of opening your word We'll praise you for what you do in our hearts in your name. Amen. Thanks. You can have a seat. So we are continuing our little journey through the book of 1 Thessalonians and we come to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verses 19 to 22 this morning. We're going to talk about being steadfast. Last week we were talking about that the joy of the Lord is supposed to be evident in our life all the time. We talked about praying consistently, being thankful always. How'd you do if you were here last week? If you weren't, you're off the hook. No, not really. But if you were here last week, and, and, and we talked about this, that that's what God wants to produce in us all the time, right? Is His joy, the presence of the Holy Spirit in us. So how did that go? Was that, was that something that was good? Was it different this week? I'm not, not looking for perfection, right? We're, we struggle. We're still human. We still have that sin nature that we struggle with, but yet God promises through His Spirit to make a difference in us, and the joy and the presence of God can be evident, and we talked this last week that when we get bumped, that's the Spirit of God that really should spill out, and, and uh, that by the way, when you have to understand something, that when when we speak about this stuff, it happens to us too. Okay? We're we're not immune. We we don't share this stuff and then get to get to slide. That that doesn't work that way. And Monday for me, uh God was making sure that I understood the principle of the joy of the Lord. Everything I touched went wrong Monday. I don't know if you've ever had that. And uh and, and the good thing was that it didn't take me long to catch on. Sometimes I'm slow, right? And it takes me a while to figure out what's going on. But Monday, I was like, okay, I know what I preached on yesterday. And God's just, he's allowing a little test to happen in my life to make sure that that's being settled down in my heart. And so he and I had a bunch of talks during the day because it, just because I recognized it didn't mean stuff went right, still went wrong. Um, But that's part of the joy of the Lord, right? It's not determined by my circumstance. It's determined by the presence of God in my life and the Holy Spirit working in me. So we're going to continue. Paul's giving these little teeny statements in chapter 5. And they seem kind of odd. They seem like, why would he? He's just like rapid fire hitting us with these little statements. And we're going to jump into the middle of these little statements again and we're going to see that, that he's, he goes with this whole thing of rejoicing always, praying constantly, and then being thankful in everything. And then it, it's almost, if you read this, it almost seems like a, a switch flips and that this is out of, out of place, this next little bit. But it's not, okay? And, and so we're going we're gonna to unpack these little statements and see that, that Paul continues on in this thought and it affects our internal life, so you remember last week we were talking about the fact that all of this is an internal struggle that goes on, that whole thing of the joy of the lord that's internal it's not my external circumstances that cause that that whole thing of praying constantly and being in prayer that's an internal struggle that's a, that's a heart issue that whole thing of thanksgiving that's a that's a choice that I make to be thankful it's not something that somebody does to me it's not that that Somebody can make me do that. It's something that happens internally, and that's going to keep going as we read these verses. So if you have your Bible, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 19 to 22, let me read them to you, and then we'll, we'll keep going down this little road. Don't stifle, or the, the old translation of this used to say this, don't quench, okay? Don't stifle or quench the Spirit. Don't despise prophecies but test all things hold on to what is good stay away from every kind of evil just four little thoughts and they seem kind of random like the other ones but they're not because if you follow the progression here you realize that the heart issue that he was dealing with in the first three statements. Rejoice always. That's the position of being in Christ, the Holy Spirit, having control of my heart. If you're here this morning and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, if the Holy Spirit is not in you, then you're going to struggle with this whole thing of always being joyful. Because you in and of yourself, I, myself, I can't keep that up. That's impossible. I can't keep producing the joy on my own. I can't do that. It's only the Holy Spirit working in me who can make that happen because it is the nature of God himself to be joyful. It's one of his attributes. It's who he is. And the presence of a joyful God through the person of Jesus Christ in me can produce that something I can't do praying constantly. If I understand the depth of my relationship with God and his input into my life and the part that he wants to play in my life, then I go to God about everything. It's the first thing I do because I realize that that's where the power, that's where the strength, that's where the ability for me to walk through life in a godly way is found in God, not in me. And so I'm going to go to him all the time in prayer and say, God, I need your help. God, thank you for this. God, show up in the middle of this because I I don't know what to do. God, I need your wisdom. God, would you direct me in this? That's the prayer part. And then as God shows up in my life, as he continually works out what he's doing in my life, then I'm thankful. And I'm like, God, thank you so much for how you do this in my life. Well, that goes on to this next part. See, when God is realized in my life that's the presence of the Holy Spirit in me. The promise of God was this for all believers, that the moment we put our trust, our faith, in what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross, he paid the price for the sin that I have in my life that I can't pay. The moment that I trust Jesus Christ, Scripture tells us this, that the Holy Spirit, one member of the Godhead, comes, and he lives in me. Actually, Scripture says this, he dwells. I love that little thing. I don't want to get off too far, but I love the little the phrase there because he says this. He says, and he will dwell in you. And that word there means this. It means to take up residence or make his home in. And so God, by the Holy Spirit, the moment we accept what Jesus Christ did for us to pay the price for our sin, says this, that the Holy Spirit takes up residence. He lives. He brings all his stuff and he moves in. You know what the stuff is that he brings? The stuff of God is this. It's the fruit of the Spirit. It's love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, self-control. He brings those those pieces of who he is and he takes up residence in in our life. And what he's waiting for is he's waiting to produce those things through you for other people. And so the Holy Spirit comes and he dwells and he lives in us. And what his hope is, what his desire is, is that he will be able to produce through you the love of God. And it will show up to other people. That he will be able to produce in you gentleness and kindness and meekness and self-control struggle with addiction he wants to give you self-control he wants to give you a way out that's what he does that's that's the ministry of the holy spirit indwelling and living in us and so he wants to take up residence now you got to think about this for a minute if he takes up residence if he lives in us guess what that means I want your mind to go. Guess what that means? It means wherever you go, he goes with you. It means what you entertain for thoughts, he's there. It means when you lose it and you fall apart, I'm talking about you lose it with people who are close to you and and, and you get angry and you get bent out of shape and stuff's not going, guess what? You're dragging the Holy Spirit with you. How comfortable do you think he is in the middle of that? When his stuff, the fruit of the Spirit is love, peace, joy, long-suffering, gentleness, kindness, meekness, self-control. When you sit through that show that is so immoral, that is so full of cursing, so full of, of stuff that God does not look pleasantly on, guess what you're doing if you're a Christ follower? You're bringing the Holy Spirit, you're bringing God to the show with you. And he's with you and he's sitting there with you. We don't think about it that way. But that's what scripture says. Scripture says this, that the moment I have a relationship with Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, he lives, he takes up residence in me. And everywhere I go and everything I do and every action and every reaction and everything that's part of my life, I'm dragging him along in the middle of it. And then we get to these little verses. And he says this. Don't stifle or quench the Spirit. What Paul is saying here is this, to stifle or to quench is to take something that's red hot, something that's on fire, because that's the definition of the Spirit, according to Scripture, right? Is that the Spirit of God lights a fire. He ignites something different within me. It's a fire. It's a fire of God himself that he ignites within us. And if you look through scripture, it it defines and gives us a picture of the spirit as someone who's hot on fire. And what this verse is saying is this, is that I take something cold or I take water and I take that hot ministry of the spirit and I just go. shh. Now I can't put him out in my life because the scripture tells me this, that, that when I become a child of God, I'm in, I'm, I'm a child of God but man, I can disappoint or quench or stifle or stop the Spirit of God's work in my life. And so scripture is saying this to me, don't stifle, don't pour cold water. Don't put a wet blanket on the Spirit of God in your life. Now, immediately, if you've read Scripture very much, you may come to this question. You may say, well, in Matthew, there's a verse that says something about the unpardonable sin against the Spirit of God. Is that what this is talking about? No, these are different thoughts. The thought in Matthew that's talking about an unpardonable sin is this. It's saying no to the Spirit of God when He challenges me with the truth of who Jesus Christ is so that I could become a follower of Jesus Christ. It's saying no to the work of God in my life, the convicting work of God in my life. That's what that's talking about. This is talking about me as a child of God. And remember, when he's when Paul is talking to these people at First Thessalonians, like they're like us. They're, they're people who are sitting in a church and they've they've come to the place where they understand Jesus Christ and they've accepted Jesus Christ and they're on a new road, a new path with God. Paul writes him and he says, that's all good and I'm so excited for you. But as a Christ ball, as a child of God, as a family member of God, you can say no to the direction that God wants you to go. And the spirit of God is such an interesting thing because he's so, or person because he's so powerful, but yet he's very quiet. He's incredibly powerful and can do mighty works, but yet he's very reserved. It's like your children and your family, as they grow up as parents, you, you direct them and you teach them and you try to help them to learn and understand how to live life and be part of a community and, and, and to give God their life. But at some point, they're going to have to make decisions on their own. And as a parent, you may have made some of the same decisions that they made as a late teen, early young adult. <laughs> and you may sit there and you may look at them and go, I see you're making this decision. You, you may want to think, Gavin, again about this. I know I'm not your dad, but I'm close. And, yes. and, and you may want to think about this different. And Gavin may look at me and go, he's an idiot. I might. He might. <laughs> And he may do his own thing, and I may stand there as a a loving friend of the family and go, man, I know that if he does this, it's going to hurt. But I can't make the choice for you. And that's what the Holy Spirit does with us as his children. He speaks into our conscience by the word of God and by other people, and he says, no, don't go down that road. Don't do that. And when we say no to the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God goes, okay, all right, go ahead. And here's the interesting thing about this. He never comes back to us and says, I told you so. You ever wanted to do that? (laughs) Yeah, we have, just be honest. He doesn't do that. The Spirit of God always comes around us in the middle of whatever that painful thing is or whatever that is, and He he puts His loving arms around us and He picks us back up and He says, Okay, let's start this again. Let's start this again. But Paul does this warning to these believers, and I want to give you the same warning this morning. Don't stifle, don't quench. Don't put a wet blanket on the spirit of God in your life. And you may be sitting there this morning saying, okay, Tim, I get it, I get it, but, but how do I do that? What does that look like? What do you mean when you say that, don't do that? What's that look like? Well, it means despising the supernatural work of God in your life. He saved you. Do you remember when, when you gave your heart and your life to Christ? you remember when you understood that you were a sinner and you couldn't save yourself? you remember that? Do you remember when you said yes to God? You said yes to the finished work of Jesus Christ. You remember that feeling? You remember what went on in your life when you gave your heart and your life to Jesus Christ? you remember the change that went on? Well, he wants to keep doing that in you. And when you stop it, when you say no, when you say, okay, God, but that's far enough. You can touch. You, you can look after my sin issue, but don't talk about my spouse. You can look after my sin issue, but I've got a couple little things that I hid in the back of my heart and and they're little little issues that, that I've never, nobody else knows and they're okay. No, you're stifling and quenching the spirit of God. The supernatural work of the spirit of God asking and touching your heart to make a difference, to change you. We despise prophecies and we quench the Spirit of God. It's the Word of God. When God speaks to us through the Word of God, and I say, well, that's good for, for Pastor Tim. He should do that, but not me. But that's good for, but but not me. Or how about when I neglect the gift that God gave me, the moment that we became followers of Jesus Christ, God gave us gifts and abilities to help the body of Christ grow and develop. He says this, that every member of the body has an ability to make the body grow. And if each part does its part, the body grows and becomes what it's supposed to be. Well, when we neglect that gift, when we say no to the spirit of God and we say, look, yeah, I know that I I have some things that I could do for, but I don't have Time, I, I, I'm, I'm super busy. My life is totally different than that. I'm not going to use my gift. We go Shh, on the Spirit of God, and we neglect it. Second Timothy one verse six, Paul says to Timothy, who's a young preacher, and he says, "Look, rekindle the gift that's found within you." And, and Timothy was a preacher, a teacher. And he's saying, look this. He, he says, take a fan. It's, it's a bellows, remember, for the fireplace. And he says, stoke that. Take the, take the wind and add it to, the, to those embers and get that thing burning again because that's the gift that God gave you. Use it for the body. Some of you are sitting here this morning and you know what your gift is, but it hasn't been used in a long time. You're grieving the spirit of God because he gave it to you for the good of the body. He gave it to you for the growth of his kingdom. Fan the flame. Some of you should be serving and teaching and exhorting others and giving and leading and showing folks mercy, the gifts that God has given to the body. How do we grieve the Spirit of God? When we don't cooperate with the Spirit, when he asks us to fellowship with others or to read our Bibles on a regular basis or to renew our minds or, or to speak to someone or to encourage or to rebuke someone or to come alongside somebody and give them a special gift that we know God is asking us to do. Or maybe it's to offer our time in some way, but the Spirit of God has been directing you to do something. And every time we say no. We stifle and we grieve the spirit of God. And Paul's concerned about this in this passage. And the reason he's concerned is because he knows what it does to the body. He knows what it does to us as individuals. It makes us cold in our spiritual growth and development. But he knows what it does to the body. When we grieve the spirit of God, the whole body suffers. And God's kingdom doesn't grow the way it's supposed to. Don't stifle. Don't grieve the spirit of God. The next little phrase is found in verse 20, and it says this. It says, don't despise the prophecies. Now, you have to understand that when Paul was writing this, they didn't have the completed word of God that we have today. And so someone would stand up with a word from God. One of Paul, an apostle, or one of the prophets would stand up, and they would say what God wanted them to hear that day. And sometimes the folks who were sitting in the church would go, huh. Yeah, right, that's not from God. I'm not doing that, you're crazy, okay? It's the same thing we do today. Sometimes we read the word of God or somebody speaks or we hear something from a verse in the word of God and we go, mm, I don't think so. Now, we don't say that out loud, right? I mean, but that's what they were doing. The apostle would come and he would speak and they're like, no, that's not for us, too bad. Move on, don't despise The prophecies. Galatians says that we are to walk in the spirit. And so when we hear the word of God and when it creeps down into our heart and our being, it should affect us. It should change us. First Peter, Second Peter, one verses twenty and twenty-one say this: Above all, you know this: No prophecy of Scripture comes from the prophets' own interpretation, because no prophecy ever came by the will of man. Instead, man spoke as God, uh, from God, as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. This is the Holy Spirit's breath; it's the Word of God. And when we read it or we listen to it or it's it's taught to us, it's, very, it's God himself speaking to us. It's not, I could take this or leave it. It's not maybe, maybe not. It's God saying, look, this is my best for you. This is how I want life to work for you. We despise the Bible when we don't take it seriously. Personally, in our own reading and maybe personally, in our own lack of reading of the word of God. We have it, but we don't bother spending any time with it. Maybe it's when we hear a message, when we don't take time to hear from God through his word, when we have so many opportunities in front of us, and yet we don't make them available to us, we don't actually use them. We're despising the teaching of God, and it grieves the spirit of God. Second Peter verses. Chapter 1, verses 3 and 4 say this His divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. By these, He has given us every great and precious promise, so that through them you may share in the divine nature, escaping the corruption that is in the world because of our evil desires. What he's saying is this, everything that you need for godly living, it's here. You've got it. It's at your disposal. And yet we despise it by the fact that we don't even open it. We despise it by the fact that when we read it, we don't really think about it. We don't really apply it. We also despise the prophecy of God or the word of God when we claim to speak for God and we know what we're saying does not come from Scripture or we're not sure that it does. Oh, be careful when you start quoting Scripture and you're not really sure where it comes from. Be cautious. Because we're despising the word of God by misusing it. Third little thing that he tells us is found in verse 21. And he says this, test all things, hold fast to what is good. When anyone teaches you from scripture, when I stand up here and I open the word of God and I read the word of God and I begin to, te- to read it, test it. Read it for yourself. Don't take that what I say is Right. Read it. Check the scriptures. Grab the passages of scripture that you know that go along with it and make sure what I am saying is true. Guess what? I am human just like you are. And I can say things that are not correct. It's possible. Test what I say. That's what Paul said. Paul looked at them and said, look, when people people come and they're talking from the word of God, test it. Check it out. Make sure it's right. Make sure that what they're saying is true. Check the context. Check the passages. And make sure that the Bible is agreeing with itself because it always will. Scripture will always agree with itself. If anyone ever tells you that God told me to tell you this, check it out. Check it out. Make sure it. Because scripture will not disagree. If it's really from God, scripture will agree with it. Check it out. First, second Timothy chapter three, verses 16, 17 say this. All scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Test it. Now, here's the problem with this. That sounds great. You guys are sitting here going, oh, yeah, yeah, test it, test it, yep, sure. But you know what that means? This is really deep. Are you ready for this? It means you have to test it. Seriously. You can say, yeah, yeah, we should test it. But you know what it means? It means that you have to get in the word for yourself. That's what it means. What Paul is telling these believers is this. Look, check it out yourself. Sit down, do the work. We're so good at having somebody else feed us. Oh, yes. It's great when someone does the hard work. That's why we buy lobster rolls. (laughs) Right? Because somebody already did the work. We do it in all kinds of areas of our life. We don't want to do the work. And the same is true when it comes to the scripture. And Paul says, "Hey, test this," and that means you got to do some work on your own. And folks, in order to do that work, you need some time. It's some quiet time with God. You just stop long enough. He ends that little phrase with this. He says, "Hold fast." I thought about that for a minute, and what that means is this: it means to cling to. The picture is this: the picture is someone who's gone overboard in a boat and doesn't know how to swim and a line's been tossed and there's a knot at the end of that and they're not way up on the line they're at the end of the line and they're at the knot and they got a hold of that knot and if they let go they know it's all over this is it that's the picture And what Paul is saying here to these believers is he's saying this, look, grab a hold of the word of God as your lifeline, tie a knot in the end of it and cling to it for everything that you've got. And don't you dare let go. Now, he's not talking about that. That's how I get to heaven. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about this, that the strength and the power that you need to live life is found in the person of God. And so what he's telling you is this, not that God's going to let go of you, that's not it at all. He's saying that God is there for you and with you and grab a hold of him because he'll fill you with everything that you need, but you better stay there. Grab a hold, cling to. And often we use the Bible as a whole bunch of little catchphrases that fill our life. And they're great little phrases and they're little nuggets that help us down the road of life. And that's not what the Bible is at all. The Bible is your manual for life. It tells you how to live life. Hold fast, cling to, get a hold of. Verse 22, the end of it says this, he says, and stay away from every kind of evil. Now, on the surface, when you read that verse, you think it's all the bad stuff of living life. It's not. That's not what he's talking about. Now, he talks about that in other places in Scripture, right? He talks about us living a life that's clean and pure and righteous. He talks about that, but that's not what this little phrase is about. Read it in context. If you read this in context, he's talking about the internal work of the Holy Spirit in us. He's talking about what God through Jesus Christ by the ministry of the Holy Spirit wants to do in our lives on a regular basis. And what is he talking about when he says, stay away from every kind of evil? He's saying this, he's saying, look, it's really easy to get tweaked just a little bit. It's really easy doctrinally, it's really easy with the truth of the word of God to take one little part of the word of God and say, okay, I'm going to live my life with just that part. And I end up living an evil life because I missed the rest of it. And so what he's saying is this, he's saying, look, sometimes, and there's a passage actually where Jesus is talking to the Pharisees and the Pharisees have made up all kinds of rules for mankind to live by. And Jesus looks at them and he says this, you made that person twice the son of hell as he was when he started because you led him away from the truth, not to it. You led him to a place where he thought he was living for God, but in reality, he wasn't. And we can do that in our own lives. We can take parts of scripture and we can live those parts of scripture out and think that we're pleasing God. In reality, it wasn't what God asked of us at all. And that comes back to law. That's living by legalistic standards, not by the grace of Jesus Christ in our lives. And so what he's saying here is this. He's saying, take the word of God, Allow it to sink deep into your heart. Make sure that you stay true to the Word of God. Test it. Test what people are saying. Test the Word of God. Make sure it's what it's saying. And if you do that, you'll stay true in course and you won't live an evil life. It happens all the time, folks, where we justify something that we're doing under the guise of, well, God is love. So it must be okay. Or God wouldn't judge someone that way. Or God wouldn't ask me to do that. It seems out of character. And we don't go back to the word of God to make sure that it's coming from God at all. And so because of it, our life gets off and we end up leading other people with us in a direction that has nothing to do with what God wants at all. And so Paul gives this little warning and he says this, look, Don't stifle the Spirit of God in your life because if you do, it's trouble. Don't despise the Word of God. Pay attention to the Word of God. Hold fast to the Word of God because it will keep you from living an evil life. Can I give you the same warning? Don't stifle the Spirit of God. Pay attention to the word of God. Test what people tell you. Test it against the word of God. And it will keep you from going down a trail that you never intended on going. Now to him who is able to protect you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory without blemish and with great joy to the only God, our savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, power, and authority before all time, now and forever. Father, would you protect us? Continue to use your spirit to encourage us to live out the life that you have for us. Oh God, help us not stifle or stop your Spirit's work in us. God, help us to be a people who know the Word of God and live it. Help us to be a people who don't deviate from the Word of God, who don't take parts of it and use them to our advantage. God, help us to hold true to you. Thank you for the promise that you'll protect and keep. We claim that this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. Have a great week.